Let's rock and roll. And cue music. this episode sure yeah i'll introduce it i'm excited for this episode of a sides because it's not just brent and andy it is brent andy and john masalia of the truth council good morning (laughs) welcome to the show john our topic or actually the first of two topics is john he's a member of the truth council and he's here to talk with us about his new ep the perfect wheel that's your third EP, and it's also your third time on A-Sides, because it seems like every time you release one, we kind of bring you on here. Is it my third time? I thought it was second, I but I think it's I just second, but I could be wrong. Well, I talked to you, I guess, oh, one-on-one right. one last that's year. That's right. Oh, you did that's a phone true. call? I did a phone call uh, in yeah. my basement. So this is also, yeah, this is kind of like, I'm extra hyped up for this, because we got you down here, and we don't really bring on a lot of guests, but we're not only going to talk about that, but then we got a topic after that, too, so it's kind of like a... It's a two-for-one deal. Super-sized. That's right. Episode. Or king size, like in the world of comic books. Like the king size edition. How's the response been for this EP? Pretty good so far. This is probably the first promotional thing I've done. I haven't, um, you know, Bob Long sends us those. Yeah. Those, you know, I haven't done a lot of that yet. Mainly because I'm in that play and it's been taking up so much of my time. So far... You know, your family loves everything you do, so oh, yeah. I don't, you can't count that. So far, good. Cool. So Awesome. There's there's a little bit of a departure on this. With I'm playing a lot of keyboards, and I don't know, sometimes you have a lot of people that poo-poo keyboards. They don't like that in rock and roll. So I was, uh, I don't want to say I was worried, but I thought there'd be a faction of people that didn't like it. But it's your art. you got to kind of do what yeah. you feel. I wanted to progress as an artist yeah, and right. didn't want to do the same thing you did before. Well, a lot of the bands that inspire you that you're a big fan of anyhow have keys and right. stuff. So yeah, I mean, right. it makes sense with that band does anyhow mm-hmm. what you're going for. So fuck anybody else's I mean, It's a lot of work live. I'm, I'm totally, like I'm still figuring out how to, when I'm switching stuff and when I have to push a button oh, to, yeah. to change a sound and sing and play and push a button and uh, haven't incorporated your feet into it yet not yet <laughs> but i have thought about yeah. it I'm, i was i never thought those those bass pedals i'm like that, that that's dumb but no it's not dumb yeah i i, I could never do it i don't think i I'm, don't think i'm not sure i can yeah, either that's like a whole uh, other level of yeah coordination yeah it's, yeah i mean walking and chewing gum at the mm-hmm. same time and that's tough enough Every time mm-hmm. I try to have a conversation while I'm chewing gum, I suck it down the back of my it. throat and gag. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I'm not, I would never take on that. Like, I just would be so scared of it. Like, yeah, so that's yeah cool. you're singing and then bass and then that, too. Right. So, yeah, it's right. like, man, I can't even, like, yeah, you're saying chew gum and, like, I don't know. I can't even complete a thought sometimes. I'm trying to arrange <laughs> it to where I'm never doing... No idle time. Well, there's no idle time, but there's no, like, I, I'm not... I'm either switching bass and mm. keyboards, you know, I'm trying, but I'm still trying to figure that, coordinate that, making sure I have the, well, first off, making sure I hit transpose and detune the keyboard. I always have to tell Brock, remind me to do that, because I know I'm going <laughs> to stop and then I'm going to be out of key. Yeah. So just little stuff like that. 
I wrote down something that I wanted to mention because I like looking at the liner notes on like mm-hmm. any kind of CD or album I get. And you had mentioned like your family. I actually noticed that your family's like super involved. Well, obviously your son Brock's a drummer, but then your other son Brennan, he did the artwork. Mm-hmm. And then Bobette, she used to sing, but then she provided backing vocals and then took photos. No, not on this record. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it was a previous she, one. No, but she, like you know what she does? She does the most important part. And other than, I mean, I don't do what Brent do, does in self-record, yeah. which is incredibly nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she does the CD layout and actually sent does the sends the project to CD Baby. Oh yeah. Okay, you know, maybe but, that's what it was. Yeah, but that's I just, what she does. Okay. Each time we've done it, she's gotten better and better because like the first time. We were like pulling our hair out. Oh, yeah. Stuff's not fitting in the template right, right. or it's not the right uh, oh, resolution. Um, yes, yes. Oh, my God. Ugh. <clears throat> Ooh, or whatever you get. Sometimes you get it where it's like pixelated exactly. and stuff. Exactly, yeah. Um In previous EPs, I've always got, um, like I will we'll submit it like on a Saturday or a Sunday, and then the next week I'll get... The email from CD Baby. Oops, we found a problem. Oops, we found a problem. And I, and this last time, I kept waiting for that email to pop up, and we didn't get one. Oh, so oh, right yeah. on. Yeah. So it took us three tries, and she's got a good grasp of it now. Oh, cool. And she, you know, I would be bald if I had to sit and do that. <laughs> that side of it does suck. Yeah. Here's another example of it. So you know, when you send them your tracks, well, initially when you send your tracks for the digital side. Like two or three days later, I get an email saying, hey, proof your tracks. Proof this. You know, make sure the titles are matching up with the right songs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there listening to it. I got, I got an iPad. So I'm, I'm sitting there listening to it. And then I'm like, yep, that's right. Well, what I neglected to listen to, I should have put headphones on. Because what I sent was, on the first track, the letter part two, when we initially mi- final mixed it, Eric sent me a copy, and I just caught it. There are two click track beats that didn't get muted. Oh shit! And it's at the it says it's, the song stops, and, and you just hear click click. 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 <laughs> oh, and man. I didn't catch it in that, and that I, that was the copy I sent. Oh man! So if you put headphones on, you can hear click click at the end of that. Yeah. You know what? I was really kind of bad at first at myself, and I told Eric about it. And I told him about it, and he said, ah, don't worry about it. He goes, you can listen to anything in the 80s, and there's goofs and stuff that they leave oh, yeah. in. So, I mean, I've listened to it a bunch and haven't. I've had it in my car all week, and I didn't yeah. notice. I now mean, you'll have to listen to it. I know. Now it. I've got to. I, I think I only listened to it with earbuds in, like at work, the first, when it first came out, mm-hmm. you know. And then I bought the CD and was listening to it in my car. But I'd never caught it of all the times oh, I've listened to it. It's so. there. And it's probably one of those things I just didn't notice because most people aren't going to notice it. Right. You know, even being a musician, right. they would pick up on that and be like, oh, did they fuck up? But you're not looking for that. Like, I'm not looking for that. I didn't listen to it thinking like, oh, I'm going to find a mistake. And unless you really did, or if you're the one that knows yeah, it's not supposed to I be there. It. Yeah, my kitchen table. Yeah. Oh, my God. I feel your pain, though, because I've gone, I've caught shit way later on with stuff and just been like, God damn, I can't believe yeah. I fucking left that in there. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> See, you could have even maybe played it off, too, because Dream Theater, they had a bunch of albums where, like, you wouldn't remember this, Portnoy had some sounds at the end of an album that led into the next album yeah. and stuff, and even the letter part one leading into the letter part two. Right. You could just say it was intentional. Yeah. I meant to do that. Like you on just the new... started part three off with 
two clicks at the beginning. Yeah, really. <laughs> Boom, yeah, go there in. You go. <laughs> the, the winery dogs that knew that Zan, is it Xanadu yeah. that has the end where he, he you can hear him dropping sticks yeah, at the very end of yeah. that. So, hey, so yeah, sometimes that stuff has charm to it. That has yeah. a little character, you know. Moving at the speed of light. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, you know, Sub Aqua is probably my favorite tune out of them. I really like the riffs in that, and I think the just overall arrangement of that song is and cool. And the weird thing was that was, a, like, a, in my head, that was a throwaway song. Really? Like, it was something, like, I, yeah. man, I really need, I need something, we need something more. It was actually really quick. They always say the best ones that's, are, you know? You know, hmm. Denny told me that. He goes, usually that, that's how it happens. Black Sabbath's Paranoid was just a really? one more song. Fucking really? bang something out, boom, ends up being one of their wow. biggest songs. And a lot of them have been that way. I mean, I think that was almost a similar thing with like Aerosmith's Walk This Way. Mm-hmm. Really? And now you have your sub aqua, mm. you know? No. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, the, you know, the popular consensus or, on that song. But to me, know. it was immediately the one after on the first listen... That I was like, I think that was my favorite. And then still going back, listening to it a few more times, I'm like, I don't know, that to me is still the standout track. So I really dig um, Share My Madness, the one at the end. Because especially you're talking about the keyboards and learning stuff and adding that in. Mm-hmm. I thought that really stood out a lot in that song. It's kind of like on the chorus. Yeah. There's some parts. I'm trying to think there. if there's keyboards on that chorus. This is the season, trapped in Last song on the EP, but it was like the first song we recorded. Oh, okay. Like it's cool. almost two years old. So I was gonna say, oh, wow. I did, you guys released that before, as a single. Yes. Yeah. 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 I was gonna say I thought I remember that one coming out before. What other inspirations did you have like behind um, this? Um, the whole EP. Yeah. Whole like EP? what? Like well, we know the kind of bands you like, but is there anything that stood out? I got back into the keyboard, so some of the stuff was listening to a lot of Asia. And stuff, huh. which was kind of like they were, they kind of came from a Prague background. At the time, they wanted to make some money. Yeah, wasn't that so they, a hey, super group kind yeah, of thing? Yeah. yeah. Heat of the moment. I remember that. Right, song. right. So I think uh, it's kind of where everything I do revolves around, but desperately in trying to include the other members of the band and everything. And maybe this next one will be more. Submit songs. Collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I, and really, it seems like each one does. I mean, I don't taskmaster. Master. I'm trying to be a better lyricist. <clears throat> that can be that can be tricky. Like, Brent's a good lyricist. Well, thank you. Danny's a good lyricist. Oh, yeah. It's hard to not overthink it. It's one it of those is. things where it's hard to write something and not go back and look at it and go, ah, is that mm-hmm. just fucking bad? Is that or, just cheesy? Or, or you know? I will listen to something and say, did I unconsciously lift that from something else? Oh, yeah. I'm constantly on that. I don't know if I'd worry about that too much. I mean, I don't know. The more I... The older I get and everything, I just start to realize, even like listening to all the bands that, you know... I'm a fan of, you start realizing how much they lifted from previous bands. And I feel like it's the yeah, nature of yeah, the fucking it, thing. Yeah, dude. I get it. Like we all have our inspirations and sometimes, I don't know anymore. It's like, if I, I don't think about it anymore. So I would just try to like say, fuck it. And if you do 
subconsciously do it, then I guess you just look at it like you're wearing your inspirations on your sleeve kind of thing. Sure. And or, and and if your melody is different, yeah, then maybe it's not that. Because there's a lot of bands coming out with stuff where I'll hear something and go, "Fuck, that's that other song." Like other than like maybe the last two notes did this went up instead of going right. down or something. And, and, and Rick Beato has testified testifying before Congress and or somebody he was talking maybe he just talked about it on his on his show about you know there's only twelve notes mm, you can yeah. only. You can only, only do so, so much. Variations. Yeah, there's only so many yeah. melodic variations you can do with it. So. Million songs have been written over the course right. of decades. So, so what do you do? <laughs> yeah, trying to create your own lyrics and your own melody lines, yeah. and hopefully make it your own. Right. But uh, I guess that's something not to be kind of cliche, but the perfect wheel. I mean, don't I think you got to like reinvent the wheel or yeah. something? You know, just yeah. put your spin on it. Yeah. There you go. I got another question. So all of your EPs have been produced with Eric Nelson. Did you work with him before this and other bands that you've done? Technically, yes. We, When I was in a band 35 years ago called Jinx, we did our, la- we did our last recordings there, but none of that got released. So there's like four, three or four songs that are floating around in cyberspace. I think I, think I have copies of them. Okay. That's never been. They're not. I don't think they're finished, or maybe this need to be mixed and mastered. I'm not sure. So yes, to answer your question. And then when we first started this, I really wasn't sure. That was the only studio I knew. And there's a couple that have cropped up. I don't have the patience to do what he does. Oh, and like try and do produce everything mm-hmm. and. So kudos it's that you lot. can do that because well, my wife my <laughs> wife would love it if I saved money and could oh, do it yeah. in my by myself in the basement. But sometimes it's definitely debatable on whether you're saving money though when you got to constantly upgrade gear. Yeah, every three once weeks while, before Christmas you got you to buy a new computer. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like I'm in the middle of this project. I can't fucking stop. It has I, to be I right now. It. I get it. So yeah, he seems to have figured us out and figured out what we want, oh, and cool. we have a really good relationship with him. So I always, there's always a fear that like. I'm always worried like I'm going to get an email and saying that Eclipse is closing. Mm. I'm like, what am I going to do? It's been there a while. I don't know. It is. I hope he I feel like he's going to stay around. He stays busy. If we are in there for a session, I'll try and hit him. I'll say, hey, when can we get back in? It's usually like two months sometimes. Mm. It depends on what, if you want a four-hour session. I've gone in there for two hours before and got that like a couple weeks later, like to to do vocals or something weird. But uh, yeah, he stays busy. So I hope he doesn't go anywhere. I've seen that guy's name like on like other. Um, he CDs does pro stuff. stuff. He does a lot of uh, a lot of hip hop over there. He's had a couple songs in movies. Oh wow! Came out a couple years ago with Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. Oh yeah, he's got a song he oh, produced okay. in that. Oh wow! I know the movie. You're I watched about, the movie, but, but I can't yeah. remember it. Yep. Well, she's like the senator or something, and he's I think like so. a. I'm, yeah. I can't remember the whole ordeal. I watched it, but it was like, yeah, two years ago. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. And I think this EP is the best sounding yet out of the really? three. So I think just, yeah, tones and everything. I think the drums sound fatter a little bit. And the guitar sounds like thicker and bigger. You know, Jason, he's always, got, he's always got the best gear. It's, yeah. Well, it's one of those guitar things, man. We always chase the tone and everything. Right. And I think, I think his tone i think it's like when i heard this and heard his tone on those riffs and stuff i thought okay i think this is how his tone's supposed to be mm-hmm. like that he definitely dialed it in like that's his tone i guess jason if you're listening 
just keep doing that. <laughs> Although he won't because he's a guitar player and we all and do have the a new same next fucking week. thing. Yeah. We're always doing the same shit. He just shit. bought an Eddie Van Halen. He just posted. An, an EVH No, a guitar. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Off air, you guys mentioned like Sweetwater. Isn't that where Jason goes all the time? They have like some kind of almost like a convention. Oh, he does the Gear Fest thing. Or, yeah, yeah, something. I think I've seen that posted like online from him. I've been there one time. And it was to go to a clinic by Stu Ham, hmm. and it is pretty impressive. If you, if you, as a musician, if you go, you've been there. I've never been there. It's dangerous. I can't. It's dangerous. No, I, I can't I can, allow I myself. Get I don't go to those shops cool. casually because I'm the kind of guy that, dude, I fall in love with a five thousand dollar custom shop, Les Paul. Hey, I'm asking for fucking forgiveness later. Like, fuck it, honey. I ain't even gonna tell hard, you how much man. you spent. Just, just let me get the fucking credit card bill. Yeah, when you walk in, they have, they have a whole they have a room for everything, and it's all like the plexiglass or whatever. Anything that's in there, you can play. I had time to kill before that clinic. I played some really nice basses. No stairway to heaven. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to play that anymore. <laughs> I actually knew how to play it like maybe thirty years ago or something. Like when I first started playing guitar, because it's like you one of those that. you got to learn it. Gotta but learn then, it. yeah, I was thinking that's funny too. That that's always the no stairway thing. Like. Do that many people really walk into a guitar I shop? <laughs> I think it was just like a joke in Wayne's world, and it's just like everybody it's, ran with it it's, since. It's the same as slapping the bass. I hate hearing that. <laughs> oh, I can't use that for the episode intro. No, do not. Oh, that's that's right up there with it. <laughs> All right. It's almost a good segue into our, our other topic. <laughs> Back for part two of this episode with John Masalia, and got an interesting topic. You kind of wanted to, I think, add a topic in there and see if John was down for it, because I didn't really want you to do a whole bunch of homework and like a big top ten list or something. I kind of felt like I did. I wanted to burden you. It almost would be Andy like Andy bailed you out. Yeah. Well, you're the guest, so I kind of want to make it easy for you. Like, so our topic. For this episode is basically our Mount Rushmore of bass players because we had Mount Rushmores of guitar players. So I thought it'd be cool to get um, you on here involved with that. It's a tough one. Yeah, it is. It was actually harder than I thought. I'm gonna pull my notes up because I wrote I mine down myself. and left them on my kitchen table. Or... I remember them. I just know that now that I've had a couple beers, I'm gonna blank out. <laughs> I always do that when I'm not prepared. <laughs> it's only four names you got to remember, but yet it is uh, one of those things that's easier to fuck up than you think. I, I got him in my head. I think. Well, I was going to ask off, you being the guest, I was going to ask if you wanted to start off, but... Um, I can. I, I can start off. Okay, um, I do have one prediction that I'm going to make right now, and I'm not going to say any names, but I thought about this earlier. Why don't you tell him, why don't you write it down in case, so I don't see if No, I, I wasn't going to oh. say any names. Oh, my, okay. I, did, I actually did text him, like, a rough draft of what I think some of your picks would oh, be. Oh, okay, cool. But, um... My prediction before we go into this is that I think you and I are going to, John and I will have one in common, and I think Andy and I will have one in common. Hmm. It's just a prediction. I have, you know, no idea, obviously, but I just wanted to preface the whole thing by saying that. Yeah, we always seem to match up. I know. It went on topics when you think you won't. Yeah. When I did this, I was torn between like the illogical. And what like most people would say, this is a this is a, a Mount Rushmore right. of bass players, or, or maybe what most bass players would say, this is the Mount Rushmore. And then I have like a, a personal Mount Rushmore. 
So you I try thought, to blend the two. Like. Well, I wanted to, or I had I had both. I had eight names, but then I thought, well, the personal one is more like my favorites or my influences. The first four I had was James Jamerson. Oh. You know who that? I don't know who that. I, no. It's like I know the name, but yet yeah. I don't. on every Motown record. Oh, okay. So that's probably He's, why I know the name. Yeah. He played on everything I think Barry Gordy did with Motown. All oh, the wow. all the Diana Ross, anything that was radio friendly in the early to mid 60s kind of until kind of rock took over. So I've heard him. I just wouldn't know yes, who he is, absolutely. but I would have heard him playing. Yeah, there's a good mm-hmm. book on him. I I he's on there because he really started making bass more than just like Elvis and Johnny Cash, the ding, 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 right. ding. He started actually playing songs beneath the oh, songs, right. which leads me into the, my next guy who took it to a whole new level, and that would be Paul McCartney. Even though they were about the same time, but, I mean, he took it to that next level and really yeah. songs beneath songs. Right. No, because yeah, He was on my list and then didn't make the final uh, cut. And it was really just because... I will just say this, like I tried with my list to make it maybe a little bit more diverse and not all come from the same era Mm -hmm. and not all come from the same reasons, Mm -hmm. like same reasoning and whatnot. And so I just had one person that was kind of, so this is almost a spoiler alert, but not really. I'm not going to say any names, but almost the same era as Paul McCartney. Mm -hmm. But I'm excited he's on your list because I didn't expect him to be on your list. Really? Because I didn't know how big of a Beatles fan you were. Growing up, I was not. When I was in Johnny Quest, I gained a new appreciation for him because we did a few cuts from them over the four years I was in that band. Yeah. And the fact that he could sing while playing some of that stuff. It's definitely I underappreciated. I watched I something mm-hmm. on Hulu. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it was a thing with him and Rick Rubin. And oh, they're going through, and the he's tracks. basically, yep. yeah, going track by track. And that's when I was kind of more clued in, too, on Paul McCartney as a bass player, mm-hmm. not just... A songwriter or something. Right. But, yeah, there's some song where they kind of, like, highlighted it and broke it down. They're like, you are playing, like, this. It's almost like heavy metal underneath some Beatles song right. or something. And it was, I was like, oh. Underneath yeah. flugelhorn or something. Yeah. Yeah, good pick there. Because I almost had him on mine too. Mm-hmm. He was kind of uh... definitely caught me off guard with that one. So that was not one I expected to be on your list. I thought maybe it'd be on yours, possibly. Yeah, but that wasn't the one that I predicted that we'd have in common. Because obviously he didn't make my list. Then my so. next one after that, and I'm kind of going decades too. Oh, okay, right. Now, and the next two are jazz guys. Oh, okay, so I'll probably be lost on this. Maybe. <laughs> well, the other guys, the, the, my third pick for the Mount Rushmore is Jaco Pastorius. I. That was one of my predictions that I okay yeah I did. did yeah I had that on the he, list that I gave him he took he did what some of the jazz guys that I, like the '60s jazz guys I left off took what they did and made it rock and roll. Sadly, did not have a long career. What he did is huge to me. He changed the instrument in a different way. I just moved it forward, right. passed it forward. Do you ever listen to that? There's a a track. It's his second solo record, and I don't know if you know much about Jocko, but he battled bipolar. I watched uh, the documentary, but I haven't, like, dove into his right. stuff. Right, really. so, you know, like, he tried to medicate with alcohol, right. and that doesn't, you know, that made it it's worse. terrible for that, yeah. Yes. 
his second, I believe it's his final solo record. There's track one, I don't know the name. This was his methodology. He got all his, the band, the guys playing on there, and he goes, Key of C. All you're hearing in that track one is a mishmash of whatever they thought they would play. No tempo. That's wow. how odd it got. But yeah. it, it, it's and the, the label, the label was okay with it. So track one is just like whatever. Yes, <laughs> obviously he was not being medicated at that time or whatever. I don't know, but it, he was a genius for the instrument. My last guy is another guy like James Jamerson, Pino Palladino. I know the name again, but I don't mm. yeah. know familiar enough. He's a jazz guy, right? No, rock no, and roll. Oh, rock and he? roll guy. In the 80s. Well, then I'm just full of shit. Huge. He played fretless. Okay. But he played fretless on like really recognizable stuff. Like, remember, I don't know, the Paul Young stuff? Yeah, vaguely. I don't like, know. I have to hear it. That. And he played on Don Henley's stuff. Mm. That. The, his big solo record, like in '88 or Boys whatever, of Summer and uh, yeah, no, 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 the one after be that. later, Into uh, Innocence or yes, is that yeah. one? something like in a New York minute, yeah. Yeah. that album. Big session guy, but most recently played with the who like live oh, okay he's been their bass player i think he's got his own band too but his style is so recognized he's like he was a guy that came up with using uh like a fretless with a octave pedal and chorus so it almost sounds either synth or like a horn and on those records you can really hear it and i've, I've kind of as as a horrible fretless player i've always chased that i use fretless on echo of angels hmm. and it's not even, not anywhere near. Caught me off guard because okay. I expected you to go lean more towards the progressive, right? John yeah, my young. I have another yeah, one yeah. that's my that's my like my personal, right? And it's gonna be to- it's gonna be totally different. Can I do those? I was predicting. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Yeah, I'll do them quick. Yeah. I don't want to hog it all. Oh no! It's like fine. my first bass player that I, that I thought I love Jack Blades from Night Ranger. Oh well, yeah. Love Night Ranger. I'm like I want to be that guy when I'm. 15 years old. That right. guy's playing and singing. The next one, these are in no order. Obviously, Getty Lee. Yeah. I, I He yeah. was one I predicted. I've stolen more licks from him. He should sue me. <laughs> um, That's how I feel about Joe Perry. I just steal half of what he does. Him and yeah, Angus Young. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just keep doing their shit. Right. It works. Yeah. And then Eddie Jackson from Queensryche. Like, his tone is killer and a great player. And then Doug Pinnock from King's X. I actually did. Oh, right on. That was one I yeah. told him, yeah. too. So John Myung, I guess, was the only other one that I had. He was super nice to meet, but his stuff is so buried in their mix. Yeah. He's fighting lead guitar, which yeah. is, you know, there's 90 tracks of that on their records. Yeah. And then he's fighting a keyboard. And they're both kind of lead instruments. I've never found a Dream Theater record ever to where I'm like, God, that's killer tone. Yeah. Because no. he just he's buried in their mix. I hmm. just assumed it because you're such a fan, I guess. I know, I know. But like honestly, like mm-hmm. it's he's one of the, those he's like super fucking impressive to watch. Watch. Yeah. Very but much. like really like listening to him, his playing does nothing mm-hmm. for me. And in and really live. He's buried in yeah. guitar, keyboards, and kick drum. Too much just, going on. Yeah. yeah. He, I think, you know, 
Did you so, want? Yes, go. So did you, you want to go, go next, or you want me to go um, next? I guess I'll go next and just shoot all four out. I guess we didn't really give you any criteria other than you know Mount Rushmore uh, right. bass players, but I kind of maybe like that because you had four that what four that you kind of got into the instrument and mm-hmm. you're like listening to stuff. So you're like Jack Blades and Doug mm-hmm. Kinnick and stuff. That's kind of what influence you but then you got once you start playing the instrument then like the first four are the guys that kind of you've kind of aspired to kind of have their sound or kind of push your sure or recognize yeah they they moved it to where it's at yeah so so i kind of like that maybe we didn't give you the criteria because now we kind of got i guess where you're coming from sure so my four were just kind of like i don't have any experience playing any instrument really other than I played the cello for like a nice. year when I, I was like eight years old. Ass, but, <laughs> I love um, the cello. There's a picture of me floating around where I'm wearing Chicago Bulls pajamas playing the nice. cello. That's cool. Actually, nothing sexier than a woman that can play the cello. That's, I agree. <laughs> but so I, I'm not trying to sum yeah. you up into that category. I don't think you would. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe check out that picture. There might decide. be some sex appeal to Andy playing the cello. I have no idea, but but I'll go with the first one was Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. and also had Tony Iommi on my guitar players list. It seems like Sabbath, like. I don't know. When I started listening to music, a lot of the stuff was the distorted, you know, new metal guitar tones. Mm-hmm. But then once I started hearing more stuff, I'm like, oh, there's the bass. And I start identifying all these parts. It just seems like Geezer Butler seems like he's right up there with Tony Iommi. Like, mm-hmm. just the sounds. I don't know, monstrous. I can't stuff. say too much other than I really agree with you. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> so number two is this is where I was kind of going with either Paul McCartney or this guy, I don't know if I'm kind of more of like a s- songwriter appreciative kind of thing, but it's John Paul Jones with mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin. I get that. Because I guess that's something where once I started listening to music like more and starting to go deeper and uh, educating myself, I'm like, shit, this dude was playing like a keyboard. He was writing this stuff. He was doing all the background mm-hmm. stuff. I kind of feel like he was like the glue to that mm-hmm. band. I agree. I was never like a huge Zeppelin fan. I like them, and there's stuff I really dig, and there's stuff I can't fucking stand when it comes to that band. But I really found my appreciation for him as a player when he did them Crooked Vultures with oh. uh, Josh Holm and uh, Dave yeah. Grohl. Yeah, like, and I remember watching them on PBS on uh, Austin City Limits. Mm-hmm. And it was like, holy fuck. Like, he was the rock star on the stage. Sure. He was like the one that you got Dave Grohl, who's one of the baddest fucking drummers in the whole industry. And then you got Josh Holm, who's like, this really, yeah. you know, very creative and mm-hmm. very distinct sound and everything. And his guitar playing is very unique. But you're watching him the whole time going, like, fuck. He's like the, the attraction. Mm-hmm. You're watching him going, how the fuck is he doing what he's doing? Hmm. And I thought that was crazy because he was like the fucking grandpa on the right, stage right. and he was like Tearing schooling them yeah. like they were probably they learned a lot from that fucking dude for sure i'm sure i mean it was just like wow so i'll give you that one you know not a I guess huge fan this... other than the appreciation oh, part same but... as geezer like you know you're in a band with ozzy and tony Omi, so you're gonna have to do something to mm-hmm. stand out 
And well, then even, yeah. you know, he's in a band like John Paul Jones. You know, Jimmy Page is like, people say he's like the god of that instrument. Then you got Robert Plant. Then you got John Bonham, who's another god. So it's like, I guess where I'm going with this is you kind of see him in that them crooked vultures. You you, uh, you get him away from that. Right. And he kind of has more of the spotlight or something. I mean, those are still two pretty big personalities he was on stage with. Yeah, but the fact that but... that band was as fucking good as they were live as a three-piece and it was mostly thanks to him because you see how much he filled there was no void you know it didn't sound like a three-piece and it was mostly hmm. because of what he contributed wow. on his playing you know you play bass and keyboards live yeah i think i'm trying to remember because it's been jesus i'm talking like 10 years ago sure. when i saw it so I mean, I, he was doing a lot of really weird shit with his bass, too. So it was a lot of stuff that I didn't understand what was going on. I just knew it was him, and I was just, mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on right now? This guy's a goddamn genius, you know? <laughs> well, like, my third one, we already mentioned the guy earlier. He wasn't on anybody's list, but he was one that was thrown out. But John Myung from Dream Theater, you were saying that, yeah, he isn't in the mix, or he's fighting to stand out with the band totally. members. But the thing... That, like, drew me in to him was when I started listening to Falling Into Infinity mm-hmm. and, like, the opening track, New Millennium. I was like, holy shit, this song's awesome. And then you'd be familiar with this, the Budokan Live the DVD. Budokan. Yeah. DVD that they have. I saw in the liner notes. I think it was like either the fretless or the Chapman stick. It was a Chapman stick. Yeah. yeah. And I see that in the liner notes. I'm like, well, what's this? But then he's up there doing that on stage and it just mm-hmm. looked badass. So I don't know. That's just what I associate that guy right. with. It just seemed like maybe it was it was pre, uh, was it Jordan Rudess or something? Yes. The keyboard Derek, wasn't as like... The Derek Sherinian album. Yeah. That's, that's his so, album, yeah. Budokan, was that the, uh, uh, what tour was that, the uh, one after? That was... Was it Six see, Degrees? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. they did a lot of that album and stuff, but... Yeah. See, they lost me there. Six Degrees was the record where I just was like, I'm out. But then I love Train of Thought. Mm-hmm. But then they lost me. It, up it until, goes... Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Brock and I had this conversation. They they do mm-hmm. that, man. It's like, I well, images and words... I became a fan. Awake, loved Awake. I actually liked everything up from that point up to six degrees of inner mm-hmm. turbulence. I agree. But, but then it was like after that, I was like, man. And then uh, Train See, of I Thought love, was cool. I love Train then, of Thought. Train of Thought was was the album that came out when I started hauling Brendan and Brock to their shows. Like they became oh, yeah. my my concert partners. Yeah. So they love that record, and I do too. It's well, there's moments of like Megadeth type. Totally. Like it's a little bit Super more. Heavy. Yeah. The next record is Octavarium, which I like. Lost me again. I love Octavarium. But, like, I don't like Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. Systematic Chaos is okay. I don't want to get off on a Dream Theater. Oh, no, no, (laughs) no. no, It's fine. Sorry. Might turn into that episode after all. You know, they try and change it up. You know, it's not the same thing. Um, They really lost me with the, uh, the the theater thing. Oh, yeah, the concept album. The concept album. Yeah, they lost me then, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I respect that they had the cojones to do that and it's a lot of music but having james labrie sing every part every character's part was confusing they almost needed to call their friends 
Which it's one it, was this? What was it? Was, it was uh, I forget shit. the name now. But didn't they do something with Lizzie Hale? Yeah. Was it or after, after the fact? So this was after Systematic Chaos. Yes, this was like. Well, yeah. you know what? I know exactly what year it was. They did the self-titled, and then it was the follow-up. Right, it was twenty. Oh, the astonishing. The astonishing. Yeah, I hated that record too. Yeah. It was too confusing. They had that one song that they they released. Yeah. And then they got somebody had a big idea. Hey, let's get Lizzie Hale to sing on this. Mm. Let's help sell this single. So they called her in, and she they re just they recut it, or they just added her vocal. Mm. And it, and that is that. their single, "Our New World." So weird. Like I just don't remember that Lizzie Hale thing. It came, probably it, because I hated that record. Out, so probably it went off the fucking radio. It came out like six months after the record yeah, came out. Yeah, yeah. They're like, this thing is not selling. Uh, because I loved the self-titled one. That was I the first too. record I was really into. See, Brock does not like that record, time. but I do. Yeah. I Man, I thought, like, fuck, finally they put something good out. Right. And then it was like the Astonishing came out and just, yeah, well, okay. totally. So what's your four? You got yeah, so, four so, yeah, my, so my fourth one is one, I don't know if you guys are going to kick me out of here because I'm a young guy, but it's Robert DeLeo from STP. Absolutely uh, not. He's killer. Absolutely not. Awesome. His fucking brother is a killer Boat guitar, guitar player, player too. Totally. And their shit, it's so fucking like yeah. offbeat and weird. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard rhythmically to figure he, out how to play it. To me, he's right in it. there with, uh, with McCartney. Like he listens to a lot of McCartney. Yeah. Because his stuff is a, a song beneath a song. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Because when, like, I never really gave Tiny Music much of the time of the day other than like <clears throat> the two big singles or mm-hmm. something. Right. But when they reissued it a couple of years ago with like the CD and the vinyl and all this stuff, I listened to it, I guess, maybe with good speakers on vinyl mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was like, holy shit, what's this guy doing? There's all this like jazzy stuff totally. underneath everything. Did, we've done a couple shows with the Megasonics. In my career with the Megasonics, we had three drummers. Hmm. Well, the shows we did were with our first drummer, who was in the Megasonics before I was. And when he came up with the set list, because we wanted to learn stuff, we wanted to do stuff that he knew. With, when Steve Baker was in that band, that was a classic rock band. And it was still kind of a classic rock band, but they were more punk alternative. Before I was in the band, they did a lot of STP. So recently, when I did those shows, they put those in the set list, and I never played them. So it's funny that you say that, because I just spent, like, last month or two months ago learning all that stuff. And he's a monster. Yeah. We did, was it, Interstate Love Song, Unglued? Oh, yeah. Is that right? Both from Purple, yeah, Yeah. the second album. And uh, that's totally credible. Oh, okay. That's a good one. I mean, it's not Bobby Dahl. True. I actually wanted to make like a mock list that just would piss you off with just a bunch of guys that are just plucking one fucking note, a whole song, you know, like a Bobby Doll, Nikki Six, and Sid Vicious. <laughs> you know, just you know what? Nothing Nikki but shit Six, like that. Not a great bass player, but a good songwriter. He's a good songwriter, I know. Yeah. He, I know. To me, he's right up there with Jack Blades. Yeah. Good songwriter, and, you know, and he, they fit in the band. They fit. Right. Yep. He's no, kind of I mean, like the band leader. He is. I mean, he, yeah. he runs it. Oh, he is. He's and he's he's the coolest looking bass player. I mean, he he wears it fucking he does. awesome. He does. I guess when you don't have to play that much and probably not even really playing live, it's you know kind of easy to look cool. But if that's the only part you got to worry about is making sure your hair looks fucking badass. But yep. yeah, yeah, I like your list. 
Is it good? Yeah, that was, this is some solid. good diversity. Oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I'll start mine off with. I was right. You and I did have one in common. Obviously, Beezer Butler. And so my criteria was really kind of. It was tough because I was trying to figure out like, okay, I got to be like fans of their music, but then. They got to have chops and like they're good enough to where they contributed to the whole mm-hmm. fucking, you know, past of bass players and greatness and whatever, right? But I think the final, with the exception of one, with the exception of the one that I would put at number one, I think the deciding factor was uh, seeing them live mm-hmm. and being blown away. And like a couple mm-hmm. of these guys seeing them live, it was just like a whole new appreciation. I went from like appreciating them, but then really fucking appreciating them and, you know, actually paying attention mm-hmm. when listening to them. Geezer Butler, case in point, I mean... Did you I catch never, them on that last... Their... I saw them on the 13 tour yeah, 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 when they yeah, played yeah. up at Tinley Park. You went there. Yeah, because you ended up being at the same show that I yeah. was. I think it was before we started hanging out regularly. Yeah, too. so that was like really, I mean, being a guitar player, I always paid attention to Tony Iommi, mm-hmm. but then seeing them live, I just remember half the show being like, fuck, Geezer's a goddamn monster. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I knew it, but till you see it live, you just sure. go like, oh. sure. so then like, you know, you go back, you listen to all the classic Sabbath stuff after mm-hmm. that, and you start paying attention to what he's doing. You're like, oh man, fuck. So yeah, that one was like probably the first one that came to my mind as a very obvious choice of somebody that, you know, being a fan of, they obviously, him, he's very influential. That band in general influenced fucking heavy metal for Absolutely. decades to come. Absolutely. And so another one that kind of falls under the same criteria in the sense that always knew he had chops. This one, well, this one I would say I probably paid attention to more on the record. I got one. I, I wanna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to try and predict it, but go ahead. I want to see okay. if I got so it So right. this one I thought we might have in common. Mm-hmm. And you just saw him Friday, but Billy Sheehan yeah. from Mr. Big Winery I, Dogs. Yeah. Obviously, listening to the old Mr. Big stuff, I was like, eh, okay, he's fucking great, right? And then Winery Dogs came out, super group, they're all fucking mm-hmm. killer. But then when I saw him live, it was really weird because he was the one that left me with my jaw on the floor after Absolutely. the show. I was like, I expected to fucking have Mike Portnoy knock my dick in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Not that he didn't, but I expected fucking uh, Kotzen. I mean, I was a big fan of his ever since he put out the Native Tongue record with Poison. Sure. I was just like... I watched that goddamn live, uh, that laser disc thing that they bootlegged on VHS, and I bought it uh, seven days live. Fuck, man, I wore that fucking VHS out. I was a huge fan of his and always just fucking loved. I was so excited to see Richie Kotzen live. That was probably the biggest deal about seeing the Winery Dogs live. Mm-hmm. But then fucking Billy was the one where I was just like, oh, my God, this guy live is just a fucking mm-hmm. beast, you know? The chops and the showmanship added to it, like, just was all over the stage and fucking his bass solo. Like, if you told me, oh, he's going to do a fucking five-minute bass solo, right. I'd be like, cool, I'm going to go get a beer yeah. and take a piss. But it was, like, not a fucking not dead you, yeah. spot to where you – it just – he sucked yeah. you in. So I think the reason, like, the deciding factor, not only being the fucking live aspect of it, seeing him live and being blown away, but it was also like, man, most of that Mr. Big stuff – He's really just tasteful. It's not standout. Mm-hmm. He's got all these crazy chops, 
but he's not like he knows he's got to hold it down. He holds it down. Yep, and he had he picks his moments of when to fucking get sure choppy and mm-hmm. show off a little bit, but it's never distracting. Mm-hmm. And then he also has this weird thing where you have a lot of bit, and this is just my opinion. You're a bass player, so you probably notice a lot more things than I notice. But I feel like there's all these moments of him playing a bass like a bass player, but then there's those moments where he plays like a guitar yeah, absolutely like he's playing fucking lead guitar right on a fucking bass and you almost if you didn't know any better and you weren't really paying attention could get lost on who's playing what absolutely like oh fuck no that's not paul gilbert absolutely. it's fucking billy sheehan and so it's just to me that's a really unique thing that i don't mm-hmm. think there's a lot of other bass players that do that you know good singer too yeah the backing vocals are always yep. great and Oh, there was something that you reminded me of mentioning the winery dog show when we saw him. It was like Effingham, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And I think they they only had the one album at the time. So they did Shy Boy from the David Lee yep. Ross stuff. And I was just like, he sang holy it. shit. Yeah. Billy sang I it? Yeah, about really. Shy Boy, Was that a Talis song? It was. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. It was originally a Talis song before he joined Mr. Big, and then I think they recut it, right? No, that's a David Lee Roth. No, yeah, you're right, David Lee Roth, yeah. Yeah. So, Which I didn't know that until I actually worked with a guy from Canada for years that used to go see Talis. In in Buffalo? Yeah. Yeah. And he'd just be like, yeah, man, I used to fucking go see Talis all the time, and they would, you know. Wow. He brought up the song Shy Boy, and he's like, yeah, you know that David Lee Roth song, Shy Boy. That was actually a Talis song. song. I used to see him play that in bars, and I'm like, fuck, that's crazy. I know. Because, you know, he's he's probably like 55 now. I would say 55, 60. Yeah. 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 He... he left and quit like I don't know five six years ago, but I worked with him for a good decade, and he'd always talk about all these bands that he'd go see up there and everything. And yeah, it was fucking crazy. But but yeah, man, I remember that too. Them doing that song, and I was like, oh fuck yeah, because then I remembered him telling me about how that was a Talis song and stuff. So, but yeah, just a fucking monster live. Yeah. And so another one that I always knew. Obviously, anybody knows this guy. As a fucking killer bass player that took it to a whole other level. You brought him up earlier, but I like him, kind of. I like some stuff. appreciate him more. But until I saw Primus open for Slayer, mm-hmm. when I saw him live, it was like a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. They came out and opened with those, blue, those damn blue-collared tweakers, and it was mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I like some of Primus. I appreciate it. I obviously appreciate the fact that Les Claypool's a fucking killer bass player and mm-hmm. innovative and totally different thing. But I left that night, like, just wanting to dive fucking right in headfirst into Primus. Really? And it just changed my whole perspective for some reason. And now I find myself, like, I listen to them. I hmm. keep going back, dig into more fucking albums. Sure. You know, and, and every time I notice different little things about his plan. What Man, live, it was just like this monstrous, thunderous fucking tone. Like, you don't really hear that on the record. You know, you hear a lot of the fancy whatever the fuck he's doing. Because right. sometimes the I, as, yeah, as not being a bass player, even being a guitar player and having some kind of fucking connection to what's going on there, I still can't figure out what he's doing on some shit. I can't visually, like, I listen to it, but I can't even, like, visualize what the fuck on, he's like, doing. On, like, the, fret, the fretboard, like, what's he, what yeah. is he? Yeah. <laughs> 
It's just mind blowing. But seeing him live, I, I think it was not even just seeing him live. It was literally just the sound and the tone. It was hands down the best goddamn bass tone I've ever heard in my life. Just fucking, I don't know. Me well, me and Jason went to that show, so that was what nineteen, two thousand nineteen. No, it was pre probably before, but it was the COVID, yeah, yeah, it was the Slayer retirement fucking tour and everything. And I just, you know, Ministry played Phil Anselmo and the Illegals and the Slayer, and like honestly, Primus was the band I was least looking forward to. Really, I was I was looking forward to it, but not like I hadn't seen Pantera back in the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I was really excited to see Phil do all sure. the Pantera stuff. So when I mean Primus came out, it was just like Jesus fucking Christ, <laughs> just <laughs> like I always say. Knocked my dick in the dirt. Oh, yeah. First couple notes of Les's fucking bass playing, and yeah. So I felt like of all the bass players, his band's probably the one I was like the least a fan of. But yet I, I couldn't, it. I just couldn't fucking not put him on there. I, get it. I just kept going back to him, and I kept listening to Primus all fucking week, going, "Fuck, I can't not put him on there." But my number one, and this was the one that I was kind of mentioning before, like. It was between him and Paul McCartney, and they kind of come from the same era, so I mm-hmm. was, like, going back and forth. But at the end of the day, I'm like, well, Geezer Butler's on my fucking list. And this guy, Jack Bruce from Cream. I thought about and him, And the Blues too. Breakers. Yeah, I, mean, I get it. And when you dive into those – I mean, and you got to figure, like, here's the crazy thing about him. So he played all the way up until he died in 2014. Mm-hmm. Damn. He really – his era where he was big – such a short fucking span of time. Totally. That band lasted. He was only in the Blues Breakers for like a year, and then Cream was 65 to 68, 66 to 68. Yeah, it was, yeah. So it was just a really short fucking period of time. But, you know, I mean, Geezer Butler has said numerous times that, like, he was his biggest fucking influence. Oh, totally. You know? so, I get it. back and you listen to those records and it's one of those things where me not being a bass player i think this is the reason i had to say that jack bruce was number one being that i'm a guitar player and would normally pay attention Mm -hmm. to the guitar more than bass or drums or anything every time i listen to cream i can't help it but i'm all of a sudden i find myself paying more attention to what he's doing Mm -hmm. and i mean he was singing yeah not not all the time not all the time time, but they yeah obviously they both sang uh him and clapton and stuff but i mean that's the weird thing though it's like you know, back in that day, Clapton was quote unquote God, sure, right? Sure. He's in a band with Clapton. And this is Clapton at the peak of being Clapton, in my opinion. But when you listen to a band like that with, you know, Ginger Baker and fucking Clapton, and then you're paying attention to the fucking bass almost more than anything mm-hmm. else, especially the live stuff, like that live record. That's why I was listening to that yesterday, because I'm just like, man, this is where it's at. Like, if you really want to pay attention to what he's doing and why he was such a great bass player and why people revere him as being so mm-hmm. fucking great, like... But. I think that's all mine, too. They're all not just bass players, but they wrote either lyrics or wrote music sure. or they're doing other right. stuff, so... Well, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. thing about Jack Bruce is, like, anyone on my list here, as much as I'm a fan of their playing and appreciate their style and blah, 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 like, if there's one on the list where, like, I listen to him and go, like, oh, fuck, that's the guy I want to be in my band, mm-hmm. he's the guy, like, sure. because it's so fucking tasteful. The stuff he's doing that's special, that's really fucking cool, that, like guys like you and I are going to pay attention to and fucking mm-hmm. notice because it's yeah, so well done that it sure. doesn't fucking stick out unless you're listening for it right? <laughs> and know what you're listening for. And I think to me, that's like, that's the perfect bass player. 
you know, mm-hmm. not the one that wants to be the flashiest. And but I believe that with guitar too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not big into big jack off fucking guitar solos sure. and shit. Unless you're Eddie Van Halen, because that he... new Nuno. Oh, dude. That's a whole other level thing too. I was playing that for Bobette on the on the way to her theater thing yesterday. I'm like this is awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those rare instances where a guitar player just completely jacks off in the middle of the song mm-hmm. for a straight minute. Like, it's almost too long of a guitar solo, but yeah. it's so fucking good that you don't care. Yeah. You're, like, yeah, okay yeah, with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> because he just did something where it's like, okay, that's the best fucking thing I've heard guitar solo-wise in a, while, in a yeah. very long time. New Winger. Hated it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can go ahead and say what you want about no, well, it. I wasn't trying no, to shoot you down. I no. Just... I, you know what? I want to like it because that band is so talented. Well, and they yeah, got Reb's s- fucking killer, but... They, they, they get, you know, and obviously in like the late 80s, early 90s... Their label just kept pushing the ballad. That third album they put out before whoever yeah, dropped them. Kind of heavier ones. Oh, Pole is fantastic. Yeah. I don't mind it. Brian always gives me shit like I hate Winger. He doesn't understand I don't hate Winger. I'm just not a big fan. I get it. He gives me shit because the time I opened for Kip, he was like, they were talking to him and they got their pictures taken with him. And I'm sitting there and Brian goes, you want your picture? I go, no, I'm good. And I wasn't doing it to be disrespectful. Kip was super cool. He was. He fucking killed it that night. He did. I thought he was great. Not a huge fan. I get it. But it didn't mean that I didn't like respect and enjoy his show. I thought it was fucking great. And that was the year he was nominated for a he Grammy. Won. Or, he yeah, won. He won. Yeah, he won it. For that for classical. A symphony it was a, that he wrote. Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn. It was like, fuck. He's, He's super undeniable. talented. Yeah, and he was cool. It's just like, but Brian keeps giving me shit like I hate Winger. It's like, I don't hate Winger. I've just never been a big fan. I've seen, I've seen him live, then I open for him and it was fucking awesome i was very proud to open for him and thought he was a great guy just because i'm not a big enough fan like if i'm a big fan of yours i don't really want to burden you with a fucking picture anyhow yeah it was just one of those things where i'm always weird about that like you didn't want to feel fake or something yeah i was like well i'm not that big of a fan so i'm not gonna like jump up and be like yeah just because you're famous i want my picture with you kind of thing but it was like it i think the takeaway that night was, oh, Brent fucking doesn't like Winger. It's like, no, I just, just because I'm not a big fan doesn't mean I hate him. Now, Sticks, on the other hand. Brock told, <laughs> Brock's, Brock told me he's going Thursday to see him. I go, you're going to see Sticks? And he goes, yeah. I go, who are you going with? Because usually everything he goes to is me because right. I pay for everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's going with one of his buddies. And I go, what What brought that up? Oh, I don't know. We're just him and his this other guy are trying to broaden their horizons or something and i'm like well that's cool i guess and he was naming some songs that he liked i've never seen sticks it's not that they're not talented nope i credit them for what they're mm-hmm. good at it's Respect. just that they're like fucking nails on a chalkboard to me that's just what it is like it's not that i don't think they're talented i just there's something about the overall tone mm-hmm. and just everything i don't know what it is they come like on the radio the and i cringe songs, maybe. yeah local radio yeah as a, as a young person for me ruin bands oh, yeah. for me i am just now able to like listen to led zeppelin yeah because 106 yep. ruined that and this is in the 70s and 80s yeah i mean it was just they had like four led zeppelin songs that they played now i can listen to led zeppelin but i get it sticks well is now right it's up like bayhan though everything everything glo did for years when i worked there it was all 
Led Zeppelin. We're gonna have a Led Zeppelin weekend. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what about Aerosmith? They're just this huge. Right. Why right. can't you have an Aerosmith weekend? That was always my thing. There's stick songs I can stomach. There's ones that I actually can't. Like when "Come Sail Away" comes on, I'm not kidding you. I won't stay in the room. I won't. Like at work, I don't. I'm not in the same office anymore now. But uh, was in an office for the last few years with a guy that had 95.5 on every day, all day. He's been there 41 years, and I'm pretty sure that radio is 41 years old and has been on the same fucking station all the time. <laughs> well, I'm not kidding you. When that song comes on, I get up and I leave. I get, I, it's just one of those, I, get I can't. That's how I know my daughter hates me. She named my granddaughter Lorelai. It's like, you named my fucking granddaughter after a stick? She didn't know. She had no fucking clue. Right. But I'm like, Jesus, you hate me that much? You named your fucking daughter, my only granddaughter, after a stick song? Fuck. Yeah, all joking aside, though, she didn't know. But come sail away, I remember one time I was having a bad day at work, and I'm at this point, there was a short-lived period of time where they would play music over the fucking intercom system. They'd have like 93.3 on or something in the shop. Mm-hmm. They don't do it anymore. They only did it for like six months, and for some reason... Probably a lot of people wanted to kill themselves when a certain song would come on. That's all I could imagine. But there was one. But there was one. Work. One day I remember driving down on the fork truck to go get something, and I was having a bad day. I'm already pissed off, and "Come Sail Away" comes on, and it starts, and I hear that first note, and I'm just like, "Fuck no!" I slam that motherfucker into fucking park. Fucking put the brake on. Got off. I go not fucking today, and I went. And I sat in my office where I couldn't hear it until the fucking song was over. <laughs> it just ruins my day like it's that fucking bad i don't not get it today dennis de young <laughs> yeah now let me ask you do you really do you really hate them or is it just it's it uh, it doesn't speak to you well i think it's certain things are like i said there's certain songs that are just nails on a chalkboard mm-hmm. to me just can't fucking do it i don't know what it is i can't even put it into fucking words it's almost just like tones and frequencies that okay. i can't fucking deal with they're abrasive to your ears yes but then there are songs that where it's not i don't like them but i don't want to like smash the speaker too much time <laughs> on my hands when that comes on i don't feel inclined to leave the i room. like that song. i don't like like, I like it I but it. i don't hate it but there's like just so song. many that i hate that it's just like gotcha. you know okay but that's the one example that i'll give where i'm like okay that's the one song that i don't hear it and i'm angered What's you're the a passionate one? listener I try to think of stuff that makes me like angry. There's stuff. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't speak to me. Right. You know, most most new country. Right. Yeah. Know, Plenty um, of that too. Yeah. Hip hop or yeah. rap doesn't speak to me. But I have respect for them. Yeah. There's I plenty mean, of stuff I don't like that yeah, I respect. Like Limp Biscuit. Yeah. yeah it's mm. pretty cringy. Mm. Yeah. Mine would be like Ario Speedwagon, because I think I've yeah. said that before on here to where I'm like, man, I'd probably get ran out of Illinois saying that. Probably. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But I think it's healthy. And anything you're passionate about, you should have something you hate. I'm not going to love everything. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. serious. Like, it's the same thing as like football. You're a football fan. I am. You're a Miami, Miami Dolphins you know guy. You know it. You're hardcore Miami so Dolphins. I hate the New England Patriots. So there you go. You yeah. got to have that one. But just... if Tom Brady wanted to come out of retirement and play for the Dolphins, 
Love him. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And I've, because I've had people tell me before, like, well, I don't hate any band. It's just there's bands maybe I don't care for, but it's like, well, don't make me feel bad about hating sticks. It's healthy to hate a fucking band. It's healthy to hate. I'm not going to like, <laughs> I would sit here and no shit, I would drink with Dennis D. Young and be like, dude, Tommy Shaw. He might be the coolest motherfucker in the world. It doesn't mean that I can't hate his band, I can't hate his art. It's nothing against them, man. It's just, it's not a personal thing. It's just, but I think it's healthy if you're like really, really into something, an art or a sport or whatever. Like you got to have your nemesis. There has to be like that one thing you really, really fucking hate. Okay. I get that. I think everybody has to have that. I really, I really fucking Don Dockin. Yeah, I'm not a Don Dockin. Oh no, I was thinking Jim Glass. Jim doesn't like Dockin. I'm not a big Don Dockin fan either. I saw him open for Def Leppard and then I saw him another time open for... Poison. Was he solo? No, it was docking. It was docking. Yeah. After George left, obviously. But mm-hmm. it could was, have been Red Beach, maybe. He was with him one time. Yep. Yeah, I remember that Leopard. record. Maybe even both times I saw him. I'm trying to remember. But it was like they weren't bad and he didn't sound bad, but he just was so douchey. He's kind of yeah. a like dork. Front man <laughs> yeah. mannerisms. Just something about it. Like hmm. it just made my skin crawl a little bit. Like, ah, I don't want to hate your band. Like there's stuff I like, but you're so cringy live. I say cringy. Is that what kids say now? Am I picking up on what no, they Dahlia don't say says? cringy. They just say that's so cringe. <laughs> cringe, yeah. Cringe. Oh, my daughter yeah. says some really doozies. Now her thing is uh, she'll say something's musty or someone musty. is musty. And what is that? I don't, stinky? Bad? I guess. She'll say it about her brother, so probably. <laughs> a crusty. Crusty and musty. Crusty and musty. And musty. <laughs> Those gotcha. okay. It's like, why is that so... First couple times, I didn't think anything of it. But then once I heard it, like... 340 times in one week i was like Mm -hmm. okay so this is what the kids are saying now like where the fuck did this come from i feel like it's like we've gone so far off topic i forgot we were we're actually recording so i guess it's hey man that's what we do that's what we do that's our thing here well it was fun yeah dude thank you yeah thank you for having me thanks for hanging out well then we'll have to do a dream theater thing at some point yeah no reason not to true council may 20th rascals and moline there you go. Shameless plug. Oh, it's yeah. our next show. By the time this comes out, it should be announced. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Well, thank you, John. Thank uh, you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Broken and alone